Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, average 40. <laughs> we will win a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. I mean, and Coach said, uh, uh, Brad said it's real casual, so, I mean, we kids from Chicago, Dallas, Texas, Michigan, and Ohio, and South Dakota, <laughs> Miami, I mean, we, <laughs> and we in the White House right now, this is like, hey, mama made <laughs> Mama, we made it. I love that. Uh, that man, that is fantastic. Sekou Smith from NBA.com here at the Hang Time podcast. Lang Whitaker, New York. Rick Fox. Wherever, man, Sekou, wherever I you are, the street. You know, I'm in Atlanta. I'm up the street from you, so I know you hear all of this rain and tornado <laughs> warning stuff. Like, like, listen, listen, listen. Like, it's like thunder and lightning going on here, man. What's up, what's up with Atlanta? I don't know, man. I'm insula- I'm in the booth. I'm insulated. I don't hear nothing. Oh, I don't hear yeah, nothing. Don't, don't I, go outside. I do I do want to know, Rick, right off the bat, White House yeah. trips. I mean, I've been – I stood on the gate. That's as close as I've gotten to the actual, you know, the driveway. is just standing out there taking a picture in front of the gate like I really did some. What's that uh-huh. like? What's that like going in there and being at the White House? Because LeBron – you know a dude is genuinely nervous when he starts mixing up his cities and states, you know, like, you know, South Dakota and Miami. I mean, that was that was some genuine giddy, you know, nervousness from LeBron James right there at the White House. What's that What's that like when you get to go in there and shake the president's hand and take all those pictures? Well, uh, politics aside, uh, you always hope you get a – Get, you get a good president. <laughs> uh, uh, they got a they got a good president for my money. Right, uh, right. But, but you know when we were winning championships, we got we didn't go one year. We went twice. We didn't go one year simply because I think Phil Jackson didn't agree with the politics of the president. <laughs> uh, we got cheated out. I've been a couple times. I went uh, with uh, when Bill Clinton was in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Christmas at the White House. So I went to the Christmas at the White White House night. And wow. That was the night before they uh, built. Bill Clinton got impeached, so he woke up the next morning to a new Nice. Wow. He'd been impeached, so that was like a, that was a moment of memory. I shook his hand the night before. Mm. Crazy. Um, and then I went with uh, championship years uh, when we went, and uh, Bill, Bill President uh, uh, Bush was in the office then at that time. But right. where they get you, and as I'm sure 
it's really it's really overwhelming because you're there at the White House. You're, 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 you're you feel like wow, it's a moment in your life you'll never forget. And you're standing on that podium, and everyone's all lined up there waiting for the, the president to come. And where you're where they were standing, you could see down the hall. And for for if you've watched any of uh, TV events, anytime the president walks to the podium to address the nation. Mm-hmm. When you're standing up there, you you can see down that hall. So when when the president turns the corner and he starts walking towards you, you're like, wow, <laughs> like this is the president. And he's walking towards us and he gets you know gets there behind the pre- you know the podium and he starts talking and addressing everyone. And you can tell, yeah, I mean, what, are you nervous? I think I'm, I I might have stood still for the whole hour and a, you know, hour. I just moved, you know, because I I actually was only a, I I wasn't a green card resident at the time either. So I was <laughs> So, so, you know, any false moves, they could have taken me out. It would have been okay. So I just, just, you know, I was like, I'm in the White House. I'm this little boy from the island of the Bahamas. I'm just going to be on my best behavior. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Before they deport me. That's crazy. I just, I, I really liked it, Lang. I just, I like. I liked how we're so used to hearing LeBron be measured, yes. and, and sort of guarded in the way he talks, yes, um, and understandably for for some reasons. But uh, I, I thought that the way he sounded right on that clip we heard, he he was genuinely thrilled and excited yes. and and having fun, and I I thought it was just kind of cool to hear him like that. Well, it's weird because he, he got so giddy, he just he walked, yeah. he just walked off, left the president. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, these guys are these guys are humongous international stars. LeBron was actually sharing the stage that day with what one of the five or six people on the planet who are more famous than he is. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, I, it's yeah. just funny to see him. React that way. I think it was fantastic, man. Another another interesting milestone for a guy who a couple of summers ago, you know, everybody was on his case, man. It's good to be LeBron James these days is all I got to say. Yeah. Um, guys, There's in addition to that Heat Championship team making that visit to the White House, we've had a little news uh, since we were last here. Uh, and we're going to talk about it more in depth later. Rajon Rondo, season is done. Torn ACL on his right knee. Uh, suffered against Lang's beloved Hawks. Rondo played the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime on a torn ACL. I'm not. I'm not starting anything. But if we're gonna take a pound for pound, toughest dude in the NBA, yeah. Rondo's got to be high on that list. Um, uh, let me say this: I spent a bunch of time with with Rajon this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, he interned at GQ, and I kind of helped organize this thing. So. Uh, and then I got to go to lunch with him while he was doing the internship and hang out with him some. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm not saying that I feel like I know him, like I'm not a good friend of his or whatever, but I got to know him a lot more than I did. Right. Um, and you don't really hear him a lot getting interviewed. You don't hear him talk a lot. Um, he doesn't play the game really like the way some guys play it with the media. Um, but just talking to him, just chatting like over lunch, like – the, he understands basketball so much better, I think, than people expect him to or think he does. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is really tough. You know, obviously it's tough for him, but I think it's probably tougher than most people think, um, and that he's going to take it tough. So I, you know, I, we obviously wish him the best. But this is a that was a pretty crazy day on Sunday um, for the Celtics. Yeah, Rick, what do you think that does? Uh, and again, we'll get into this a little deeper with one of our guests here today. But instant reaction when you heard the news. What, is, what do you think that does to the Celtic season? Does this send them reeling, or does it keep them? Uh, you know, they were uneven with Rondo. Will they just continue to to be uneven without him unless they make a big move before the trade deadline? Well, I thought they were at best 
you know six you know six to five uh, seed right. you know, first first second round at best. I you know I thought they'd been on their decline. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, I was shocked they made it to the to the uh, Eastern Conference yeah. Finals last year and had such a good showing. But look, you know, at the end of the day, they were going to have to make a shift in in, in personnel here. They, they're getting young, but. Uh, do they have enough? And would they have had enough in the tank even with them healthy? I don't think so. Yeah. So this kind of forces their hand in, in, in many ways to look to the future. But you know, nowadays, I mean, look, you know, Rondo could be back by the playoffs. That would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, look at you know, guys are now recovering <laughs> so quickly. There's modern medicine and miracle, but yeah. but uh, at best, you hear Danny Age expects him to be back in training camp. You hear that? You hear that rain outside, man? I don't hear. Look, Rick is Rick is going through it, Lane. <laughs> crazy, man! I swear, I, a tornado's going to come through here. ATL, shout it! I thought you were from the island. You're, you're used to the, the man. I'm used to hurricanes, man, but not in Atlanta. <laughs> Yo, it is bananas. Anyway, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> I love this guy. This guy's never seen a storm wait, wait, before. Wait, you're in a trailer right now? Yeah. That's usually <laughs> not a good place to be in a storm. <laughs> Look, man, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm in and out, know that I'm hiding from the tornado. So rest the show. If I'm not around, y'all know I'm ducking for cover. By the end of this, Rick's going to be in the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. <laughs> man, rapid reaction, guys, to a couple of things here. Uh, headlines around the league. Um, all-star rosters. Any any huge disagreements by you, or do you think, eh, got it pretty much right like they always do? I'd say Steph Curry um, in the West and in the East. I thought Brooke Lopez should make it, and mm-hmm. he's going to probably with Rondo being out. But I was also – I thought one of the Hawks players should make it. I don't know if it's yeah. Josh or Al, but, you know, for the way that team's played, I, I would thought at least a Hawk deserves to make it. Yeah, Rick? yeah Josh, team, Josh seems cursed. Yeah, he yeah. can't seem yeah. to get in there. Um, but I agree with you on the Stephen Curry. I mean, if Kyrie Irving, that was a pleasant surprise. I yeah. think he's definitely a bright star in this league. I, I don't, I don't think he, you know, having sat, sat out a few games and also his team not being up there anywhere near the middle of the road. Um, they've had some close wins and, and and a lot of close losses. But but that, you know, look, I'm happy to see him in the playoffs. I mean, in the All Star game. Yeah. Uh, but Steph Curry's going to be in the playoffs, and I think he's had a huge impact on Golden State. Uh, maybe he could have gone. His ankle couldn't have. You know, maybe his ankle could have stayed home during the during the break, but but at, at the same time, he should have been rewarded. I don't yeah. know who you would have left off, but yeah, I would have liked him. it's always tough trying to figure out who you let take off to put put back on the team. But I agree. I think those guys specifically those those guys mentioned Curry, Brook Lopez, and Josh Smith are either Al Horford. You know, some combination of those guys deserve to be on there based on what their teams have done and how well they played. Um, speaking of Josh Smith, you know. This is another interesting thing that's probably going to take some different t- twists and turns between now and the February 21st trade deadline. Um, Friday uh, before, you know, the Rondo game and all that stuff came out, Josh Smith talks to uh, Jeff Schultz from the AJC, and he asks, he's being asked, hey, do you think you're a max player? Da, da, da. He, he gives the answer to me, guys, that I think every player has to give. Of course I'm a max player. Even if, right. even if you're not, you say, absolutely, I'm a max player. Um, I gave it every year. I just didn't get it. <laughs> do you? I mean, do you have an issue with him saying that at all? Because um, it, it doesn't matter. The Hawks will make that determination when they have to decide whether or not they're going to pay him or what they're going to pay him. Um, but do you think do you have any issue at all with a guy saying that? Well, I'll tell you this much: if I'm GM, or I don't, I don't play a guy a max contract if he doesn't believe he's worth it. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I'm Josh's agent. If I'm Josh, I'm definitely saying that I'm, I'm feeling that with the success or the. You know the recent success with the absence of Joe Johnson, and and the team hasn't 
you know, dove into the tank here. Yeah. Uh, he's had a great he's had a great uh, part of that. So whether he's a Atlanta Hawk is another discussion. Is he worth <laughs> right. uh, max to uh, to other teams? I got to think within the thirty teams that are out there, someone would pay him max, or he's worth a max contract to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got to be the right place in the right situation. You know, with the current collective bargaining agreement, it's not as easy to leave and and find a, a home somewhere else. You usually want you want the team you're playing with if you're really all-star caliber player uh, to, to to max you out. Right. Yeah, I agree with Rick. I, I and I, I look. What do you want him to say? Do you want exactly. him to say <laughs> I, I'm not worth the most money I could get on the market? I think I'm worth half that. You know, like I mean, what? I, I, I it's funny when people criticize. I know it's the worst gotcha question yeah. you can have. Like, what do you think you're worth? Well, I think I'm worth whatever somebody's willing to pay me. But uh, yeah, I, I want the most. Yeah. Who doesn't want the most? So, yeah. um, you know, again, interesting stuff. And the, and the weird part about it, guys, is all of these players that we've talked about, you know, leading up to the trade deadline, Pau Gasol, whoever it might be, Josh Smith, Rudy Gay, all these guys can find their fates intertwined by February 21st. This this stretch between now, All-Star Weekend, and then the trade deadline, you know, right after that, it always sets up for a crazy, crazy late January and early February. It's one of the things I love about the NBA season is just how many different news cycles we will have over the next few few weeks here. But, gentlemen, this week on the Hang Time Podcast, we have a bit of news to break down. And who better than the voice of the Boston Celtics himself, Sean Grandy, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Sean, uh, life changed a little bit for Celtics fans and, and for the organization over the weekend with Rajon Rondo going down for the season with that torn ACL. Where, where, do, where do the Celtics go now? Where do, what's the next step? Uh, I think uh, there was two days of mourning. That was the first step. Uh, <laughs> right. after it, it, it was, I'll tell you this. You know, in 15 years of doing this, it was maybe the most fascinating, certainly in a regular season, the most fascinating day uh, I've ever been involved in. To, wow. you know, a day that began a certain way with a certain mindset that ended a different way. And the reality is, you know, a lot of people are, are joking about it. I honestly think, and this will be, uh, I'll start with the soundbite, and it'll sound insane, and then we'll work backwards from it. But I honestly and genuinely believe the end result of the 2013 season for the Celtics did not change on Sunday. Yeah. I think the team went from a, an unlikable, underachieving team that people were not enjoying watching as Celtics fans to what you saw on Sunday in the first game without Rondo was suddenly an underdog team battling to make the playoffs. And I don't think the end result, the narrative changed, yeah. but the end result didn't. Well, I mean, Sean, by the way, Lang Whitaker here. Uh, if if this was a team that with Rajon Rondo um, has been underachieving, but does this change the 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 expectation of the team, I guess, is the way to say it? Like, I mean, maybe they weren't quite at the level of the Miami Heat or, or a title contender, but without Rondo, I mean, do fans now, are they giving up on this season? Well, I, in a way, Lang, I put it this way. I think that there were people – that we're still hanging on to right. the idea that this was still what we had called the new Big Three era, and the right. Celtics were still championship dangerous. And the irony of it coming on an ACL injury is the reason expectations were too high is because of an ACL injury suffered last year yeah. by Derrick Rose. Yeah. And the Celtics got to get the Celtics, you know, put cobbled together with Rondo an extraordinary Miami series, and obviously pushed the Heat to the limit and a double-digit lead in Game Seven. But the reality is. This was already the transitional year. The Celtics had nine new players on their roster, but last year's 
kick to the finish. And by the way, the Sixers are going through the same thing. They had artificially high hopes for this year, A, because of Bynum, but B, they're like, oh, they almost, we almost got to the conference finals. We got to game seven in Boston. None of that happens without Derrick Rose injury. And so expectations were artificially high. People were hanging on to what was possible. Celtics, as any team would be, going into camp, were talking big. Rondo himself was saying this team's deeper than the 08 team. And so you had the, the illusion, because you came so close to the finals last year, that mm-hmm. this is still a championship-dangerous team. And the reality was playing out over the first 40 games. Then you had an ugly weekend. You lose to New York. You lose the, the biggest lead you've lost in nine years in Atlanta Saturday. So I think Sunday was this day that reality was about to settle in. And now all of a sudden you have a completely different spin on what's possible. Well, Sean, Sean, Rick Fox here. Um, Well, knowing that Danny Ainge is not shy of making uh, a move to improve his team, but also with all the talk in the summer about whether or not it was time to blow the team up, uh, where do you go now? I mean, do you you, you attempt to salvage something here uh, and make something else of this season, or do you start to make the exodus and build this team uh, starting now and ship some of your veterans off to teams that may use them? Well, you know what, Rick, the other thing that didn't, that didn't change either on Sunday is the fact that Danny's phone is ringing off the hook, and it will continue to. And as for a guy who lacks sentimentality, as you have to in that spot, he's certainly going to be open to making that move. You know, Paul Pierce's contract is, is a pretty tradable contract, considering he's got a $4 million buyout for next year. So that, that certainly exists. But I also don't think what happened on Sunday is going to force the Celtics. So, listen, they're going to need a point guard. The reality is they're going into play this week. They've got a couple of home games against Sacramento and Orlando, and there's basically you've got five or six two guards on this roster. You don't, need, you don't have a true point guard, period, on the roster, and that's going to have to change. So the, will there be a minor deal? Will there be people coming in? Keon Dooling just said today that he's not going to come back. So you have, you've got to have to find somebody, but that's the minor deal. What, what you're talking about is that, that bigger deal, the, the concept of blow it up, which is very popular in Boston, but you guys know it doesn't work that way no. anymore with the South spots. You don't, you know, and if there's an opportunity to upgrade the roster, Danny will, but I don't think, I think he's always ready to make a move, but I don't think Sunday is going to force his hand. The, the other sort of irony in this whole thing is that, you know, when Rondo goes down on Sunday, that, but, but they won that game. Right, I mean, the, everyone thought, well, this is it. They're, they're, you know, but but somehow they gutted that thing out, and and I, I wonder if there's, you know, I don't know how how large this chorus is, but is is there still some group that says we maybe maybe we can figure this thing out with what we have? I think there's a pretty big group in the locker room. I have to feel yeah. that way. And and here's the, I, I don't want to call it the dirty little secret of Rondo and. Sometimes people think I'm a little harsh on him, but if I am, it's only because I don't treat him as a late first-round pick that can't shoot. And was, I, I, I've seen too many days when he's one of the best players in the world. I've seen right. him on the biggest stage dominate games and completely control them. But what comes with that in this year, and this was a transitional year, and that this is Rondo's team now. It's Rondo's locker room, and you know the results are, are obvious. The Celtics, you know, in terms of pace, in terms of offensive efficiency, in terms of every geek usage stat that there is, yeah. are one of the bottom five teams in the league, and that's with Rondo running the show. And the thing about Rondo is there are you know, 15 or 20 nights he is one of the best players in the world, but what separates him right now from where he wants to be and where I think he can be with the Chris Pauls, with the elite of the elite, with the player that Magic Johnson says that he is, to do that, you've got to do that 60 or 65 games a year and not have the triple-double against Miami with the world watching and then go to Toronto on a Tuesday night and not play well when your team needs you to play well to win. And 
That's the difference. And the other thing, and this is an extraordinarily optimistic view of what could happen here, but maybe, maybe as crazy as it sounds, Rondo missing 40 games and the Celtics, assuming he comes back healthy, as Derrick Rose will eventually, missing 40 games and the Celtics making the playoffs without him at the age he is, the point of his career where he is, maybe this becomes a turning point for Rondo in his maturity and that moment. You know, Rick, you know, every athlete faces that moment of my, the mortality, my professional and athletic mortality, and it can change you when you suddenly are, the game is taken away from you. And maybe I saw this happen not injury-wise, but I saw Paul Pierce change the way he played as he got to a certain age and his game. And all of a sudden, what do I want to accomplish? And maybe that's going to happen with Rondo. Yeah. Sean, I, I, you know, obviously nobody is questioning Rajon Rondo's toughness after you, you see his elbow get twisted around on his arm, you know, in a playoff game, and he comes back and continues to play, obviously, in that series. And, and then he played some, some significant minutes, apparently, after he suffered this injury, did he not? Um, he played – He played the, that happened with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Right, yeah. Friday, and he played the final two minutes – did, played both overtimes in Atlanta and went through the walkthrough. It was a Sunday game, an early game in Boston. Went through the walkthrough Sunday morning with a torn ACL. Yeah, so I mean, wow. we've established that obviously the, the toughness, but I think you raised a really good point, and I'm curious: is there still some lingering doubt? And, and I'm not saying by anybody specifically that you talked to, but just in sentiment that maybe Rondo's not capable of being that the headliner without somebody else that's on his level, another superstar-level player in Boston? Like, they're not sure he's ready to, to carry that thing by himself without KG I, and Pierce? And... I think that's an easy answer. That, that answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, of course that sentiment exists. And I think a lot of this summer was there were a lot of stories. You, you know, Google them. That yeah. Rondo has taken over the leadership, and he organized the game in the summer, and he's ready to be that guy. And I'm not saying it was a media campaign in any yeah. way, but that will happen – and there are nights that it has happened, and he evolves. And listen, all of us, if all of us did, there were podcasts about all of us and the decisions we made the way we lived at 23 or 24 yeah. years old. Well, first of all, nobody would be listening. But second of all, it would be pretty you know, <laughs> revealing about the decisions we've made and, and yeah. whatever, and the, and the people that we were. So I think that certainly exists. And when it happens, and let's say for the sake of this conversation that it will happen, mm-hmm. when it happens, you're not going to read articles about it. You're not right. going to see stories about it. It will just happen. Right, right. Sean Grandy, guys, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. You absolutely have to hear his voice alongside Cedric Maxwell uh, for all the Boston Celtics games. Sean, Doc Rivers was pretty adamant uh, in the aftermath that, hey, you know, don't write this team off. We're not going anywhere. But you but you nailed it at the start. This was a, this was a team that was struggling to stay in the mix with a healthy Rondo. What what are the other larger issues this group has beyond what Rajan Wander was or was not doing for him? Well, yeah, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, actually, the, the reality is that the easy way to say it is this. Uh, this was the year in which Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were not supposed to have to carry the load. Mm-hmm. And they did for the first 30 games. And as a result, Paul Pierce has gone into a – one of the deepest slumps we've ever seen him have over the last 10 or 12 games. And it's funny when you think about you know trade deadline coming up, Paul Pierce's name being mentioned. He's had this is the worst 10, 12-game stretch of his career. He's got no legs. And by the way, in Atlanta, 
you know, we were joking with him before the game in Atlanta. He had no legs at the start of that game, yet he had to play the entire fourth quarter in both overtimes. And there was a moment, you just looked down, there were nine guys at the free throw line, and Paul was on the other end just, you know, looking like he was just trying to stay on his feet, like he was just got to get through these final two minutes. Kevin Garnett has been phenomenal for the last, pretty much the last calendar year since the All-Star break last year. The, the plus-minus has been through the roof. He was the Celtics' best player. Everyone remembers Rondo in the final games in Miami, but Kevin Garnett was the best player for the Celtics down the stretch and, and through the playoffs, and that carried through the start of this year, but he has had to carry too much of the load. And Doc Rivers tries so hard, discipline-wise, he's got to keep KG's minutes to 25, 28 minutes, and then you look down, and he needs him, and he's playing 38 minutes in these overtime games, and it's insane. So eventually, the torch in the first part of the year wasn't being grabbed by Jeff Green by Courtney Lee. Jason Terry has had a struggle. How much of that has to do, especially the two guys, maybe the three I mentioned, how much of that has to do with Rondo, we're about to find out and and fitting together with him. But the the second unit guys didn't really step up, and now they simply have no choice. Sean, uh, as this team goes forward now, and and we've kind of talked about all all these different things that haven't really gone their way, is there a way for this bench, you know, guys like Jason Terry, Leandro Barbosa, who were brought in to help offensively, is there a way for this team to, to get better without going out and, and trying to make moves and bring other guys in? Can they improve from within? I think they will be a different team. I think they'll be a defensive-oriented team. You know, there was a you've got a, a chance you're going to have a lot of minutes now with yeah. Courtney Lee and Avery Bradley out there together. And, you know, while the Celtics offensively, I don't think they're going to be a dynamic offensive team yeah. to watch. They, that's just not how they've won two-thirds of their games the last five years. They've won on the defensive end. So all of a sudden, you got a lot of minutes with Avery Bradley, Courtney Lee out there, and if something were to go wrong, all you have is, you know, the best defensive player overall probably in the last quarter century in the NBA in Garnett, who's still defending very well at 36 years old. So obviously that's going to be the focus. Of the team, yeah. will there be another body added? I mean, at some point, logic would dictate there has to be a point guard. You know, Toronto has been playing with two in an uncomfortable yeah. situation all the year, so maybe maybe there's an opportunity there. So it's really, I think that inside the locker room, and I'm not just talking about the players. I think that there's an opportunity for everybody to be challenged by this and to and to play. They're going to have to play much better than they have these guys you're mentioning, Jason Terry and Courtney Lee. But I think that opportunity exists, and I think there's a wild card here, and that is that Doc Rivers has, has coached his team for Rondo and through Rondo for the last several years. And while Doc Rivers' reputation is always as a sort of player's coach or whatever, I think he's one of the most misread coaches in the NBA. Hmm. He is also he is a complete basketball geek when it comes to drawing up plays and out-of-timeout plays, and he's addicted to this stuff. And now... There's a great challenge for him. It's scary to have a clean slate and not have to start over at game 45, but there's a challenge in that, too. And I think uh, the other thing the Celtics have going for them, like look at the Celtics versus the Lakers right now, is that the Celtics start this with a three-game cushion yeah. for the playoff spot, whereas the Lakers are going on this road trip already four games out with teams to climb over at their midpoint of the year. So the East plays in the Celtics' hands as well. Right. Well, Sean, with uh, you bringing up the Lakers, I mean, the beat goes on for – the Celtics here, regardless of injury, the Lakers come in on the seventh year uh, for, for the rivalry. Uh, and what I would ask you is, is from a, from the East Coast side, Eastern Conference, watching what has happened with LA, knowing that uh, expectations were high yet they've fallen uh, short, 
is there still a rivalry? Will this be a big game? Uh, it, it will. It, it will, right? Because misery, misery loves company. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that the Celtic fans had going here the last couple of weeks was, well, at least it's not as bad as what's going on out there. Because you know, you know, it's basically, you know, you know, it's bad when there's like there's more coverage and there's more people ringing your phone. It's either going really well or really badly. And obviously, the Lakers are all over, you know, everything because soap opera and Kobe. Kobe doesn't like Dwight. Nobody likes the Mike D'Antoni system. It doesn't fit. And that sort of angst didn't really. The Celtics weren't enjoyable to watch, and they weren't winning as many games as you thought they would. But Celtics fans were, you know, uh, they were making themselves feel better by what was happening in L.A. So it's really, it's actually going to be fascinating. And obviously, it's going to be another game in a couple of weeks out in L.A. to have these two teams, you know, come together in a national game and. At, at some level, there's that there's the train wreck factor of you know that's going to be a tough with the loser of that. That's a tough night for the loser of that <laughs> yeah. game. So I I think it is a big game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Sean Grandy, guys, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast, the voice of the Boston Celtics, alongside analyst Cedric Maxwell. Sean, before we let you get out of here, February twenty first trade deadline. Danny Ainge, as we talked about earlier, has been known to you know to take those risks and try something. To to jumpstart his team or to you know to get things going in a different direction, in your gut do you see Pierce or KG guys who have become you know synonymous with that franchise in this era and what they've done the past you know five six years? Are we going to watch one of these guys leave you know depart the premises by February twenty first? Do you think Garnett? I'd be shocked uh, if, mm-hmm. if there's a deal with Kevin Garnett. I think with Paul Pierce, given his contract. Uh, there's certainly you know a window of opportunity. I think the one thing Danny generally done year in and year out is surprise people. So maybe hit the surprise this year with that there won't be a move the year everybody expects it. And I'll say the following: I think not having Rondo takes away a lot of things that were on the table for Danny. There's sure. a, he has a lot fewer options now to make a potential deal. And I I believe that Rondo was theoretically going to be in play the way things were going. So really, wow. I do. I mean, that doesn't mean, and when I say in play, that means in play. It means yeah, yeah. everything was, you know, you're open to the possibilities. That's the beauty of Twitter now, whatever. You can say, once somebody <laughs> picks up the phone and says, hello, and the, on the GM on the other end says, hey, I want to talk to you about a trade for Rondo, and you say no, you've talked about trading Rondo. Right. So, that's, right. you know, what, that, then you're done, and everybody can say they're talking about trading Rondo. Exactly. But I think there were all these, uh, there were 100 possibilities on Danny's desk before Sunday. I think half of them are gone because of what has happened it, in a very bizarre way i think ronto's long-term future in boston may become more secure by what happened on sunday again especially if you know my, my crazy theory about him coming back as you know a better player and more of a leader if that really happens uh, everything did change for the celtics on sunday but while the reaction was universally negative and woe is you know the celtics i think everything may have well everything did change it may not be for the worst and before we let you go, Sean, last thing. On Sunday, what was more shocking, the, the loss of Rondo for the season or CM Punk losing his title to The Rock? I knew you were going. You know, you know what I've become? Let me tell you what I've become now. I realize I've been, I've been outed by, you know, by Bill Simmons and all these other people as being a wrestling guy. and whatever. Now I realize people just put up with talking about Celtics for like 15, 20 minutes just so they can ask these questions. They're like, all right, we'll ask you a few Celtic questions and then, we'll, and then we'll get to it. Just because I happen to tweet out something – at the end of the day, about uh, this sort of historic run, I don't think anybody who kind of follows the business was shocked that uh, that Punk lost. And he had 
phenomenal year carrying the company. I know there's 90% of you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was, I, I was Lang is it, Lang's I with do. you. Yeah. Exactly. And that's all that matters. If we stay this long, it's worth the answer. Well, here's my, I kind of made up this crazy uh, hashtag, uh, which you really have to understand the business to, to know. It's called K-Faber metrics. <laughs> right. It's a combination of Faber metrics and an insider you know, wrestling term. Uh, that for perspective, for statistical perspective, because we all love these things, especially at NBA TV, because they make the graphics you know, look good. <laughs> CM Punk was champion for 434 days. In the previous 434 days, the title had changed hands nine times, which right. gives an indication of the you know, lack of attention span and how what an accomplishment <laughs> that was. Uh, but Ron Lang's on the road to WrestleMania. So <laughs> it's excited. here. It's here in New York. There's I'm excited. A lot of stuff going on. we got Brock Lesnar's back. Yeah. You know, the Rock's involved, so... I, it, the hardest thing is that they keep scheduling a game. I, I think we have a six o'clock game on uh, on WrestleMania Day, so it's oh, pretty no. difficult for. for uh, it's gonna be catastrophic. We try to do. We try to do both. This is this is awesome. This is the first time, by the way, Sean ever we have talked WWE on the Hangtime Podcast. So we appreciate you for ushering in a new era along with Lang. Hey, Lang ushered it in. I was talking about Ronda started it. I was, I was I was surprised. Now we gotta see if Cena can. Take it from the rock. But. Unbelievable. Listen, Sean Grant. I'll, I'll say this. I'll leave you with this last tease, Mike. I think that CM Punk had this remarkable streak that just ended. Right. There is a bigger and more legendary streak within the business that I think he may be about to tackle at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'll leave you with that tease. <laughs> for all, like, all our wrestling fans out that's there, that's like maybe. a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. Sean Grandy. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on now. Anytime, guys. Okay. Thanks, Sean. See you later. Sean Thanks, Grandy, Sean. guys. That's, that's, that's excellent, Lang. We have never talked wrestling on the Hangtime Podcast until today. These are the things we got to do. Put heat on the ball. That's why they have Bradley. He's a pest. We got to take charges. Offensive foul. Kobe taking a charge? They hit these guys right off the bat. Blocked by LeBron. Here he comes. Platoon giving chase. How fast is LeBron? Dig in. Dig in. We have to be more aggressive. Get them out of their comfort zone. The benefit of a Tony Allen. He is a world-class junkyard dog. And Alexi Stretch says, give me that basketball. We're getting shots at the rim. Keep attacking. Don't let up. Don't let up. We got to use our speed. 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 If Smith accelerates into the lane, threw it down. Man, oh, man. That is some move for the little man. Our activity's good. You get it in the paint. Be aggressive. To Marcus Cousins with a vicious dunk. Go, get it right back. Get it right back. Garnett gets a hand in there. Avery. Jeffrey. Plenty of time. Move the ball, and you'll get a wide open shot every time, guys. Blazers have taken 43s. Oh! Poise and aggressiveness on the offensive end. Here's Kobe from about five feet behind the line. Knocks down a three. And he does it so effortlessly. Durant against Duhon. That's a mismatch. He should only get a point for that. <laughs> Settle down. Stay in front of your guy. Don't overreact to everything. Livingston keeping that dribble line. Go outside! Sean Livingston! He wants to score off the bench. Here at Jack. Look at the foul! Work for a great shot. Don't settle. Trust each other. Nice pass by LeBron. Wade hammered it down. Keep playing together. Keep looking for points for each other. Attack mode. You get on the wing, you're in attack. Hit the next open man. Good to great. Then finds Barnes. Hot step and three. At the buzzer. 
Lang, I got to admit, Rick Fox has talked a lot of smack on the Hangtime podcast <laughs> this season, but he's come through this time. He, You know, he made one of those A-list celebrity calls and, and got his guy Bill Bellamy, comedian extraordinaire, actor extraordinaire, joining us now right here on the Hangtime podcast. Bill, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I am excited to kick it with you, Cats, man, because, you know, you in my lane. You know, we talking sports, basketball, lifestyle. Let's get it. Rick <laughs> called me up. He was like, yo, B, man, you got to call in. Don't, don't, you know, don't sell me out because you know how Cats be like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Rick is a good guy, man. We're working together on Mr. Box office. And plus, you know, I love sports, you know. Uh, I'm a big fan, uh, especially basketball, so. I was like, let's do it, man. It's just guys talking about the stuff we talk about at the barbershop anyway. You know, and we talk about it all day on the set. All day. <laughs> all We're not day. working. <laughs> Mark we ain't working, working at all. <laughs> We're not working at all. <laughs> so, Bill, you, I mean, you talked about being a sports fan, man. Where did, what was Bill Bellamy's sport growing up? What, 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 was, what was your game growing up? Um, coming up, I played basketball. I played baseball. And I ran track in high school, so I played basketball in high school. Um, I wasn't big enough to play football. I wasn't big as Rick Fox, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was always a fan, you know, growing up in New Jersey, um, you know, growing up with the Knicks and the Nets and the Giants. You know, we was all, you know, that's a big, big, big stuff for us. So, you know, and as I as I got older and, and played basketball on a higher level, I really became more of a like a player fan because it's like, when you play the game, you understand it more. And then when you are a fan, it's, it's just – you get like – it's an HD ex- experience, so to speak. <laughs> well, Bill, growing up in – you know, you mentioned New Jersey, but were, were you a Nets fan or, were, or were, you know, a lot of people in New Jersey are Knicks fans also? Um, when I was growing up, I was a Knicks fan. Um, okay. And you, got, you, you hear the emphasis. I was, like, <laughs> tremendously – but if you understand the life of a Knicks fan, it's very painful. And uh, John Stark shot us out the building. I never forget <laughs> it. And that's when I couldn't take it anymore. I remember, I, you know, I turned in my jersey. Um, I said, you know, I just can't have one team no more because I used to only have one team. And then when I started doing MTV and becoming, you know, uh, you know, in, in good friendship with a lot of the NBA players, I started to like different teams based on my friends and stuff. And then when my cousin, Big Shaq, got in the league, you know, I was like, yo, I got to go wherever he go. And, you know, he bounced around everywhere. So, you know, (laughs) 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 so, you know, with that and and doing rock and jock, like I know a lot of guys, like I knew Rick before, you know, the show. Like, I mean, I knew a lot of guys for for different reasons, but it's just like, you know, when you love the sport and then you you happen to go to all-star games or you guys – throw parties together and stuff like that, you get to know guys on a different level. So I feel like, you know, I know guys really, really well. And I feel like when I talk about the game to an athlete like Rick Fox, I think it's a respectable conversation because I'm speaking from what what I know and how I see the game. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. But you watch too, though, Bill. I mean, you're knowledgeable, man. Yeah, I watch the game. You know, I mean, I – go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'm just – I'm saying, like, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to that talk the game but don't really know the game. So, you know, right. when you get into a conversation, it's nice to know that you actually have have an understanding and you're more than just a fan. You think yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys see, the, you know, what what's going on with the Lakers, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we we talk about it every week. 
Right, that's been a topic of discussion. And I was saying to Rick, they should let me coach the team. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it for a hundred thousand, and they'll win, and they'll win more games. How would you? Uh, you know, how would you turn things around? Well, well, importantly, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk to the guy who has the ball the most. That's Kobe Bryant. So, the reality of the matter is, you know, Kobe has half. He has to humble himself. And he has to play smart basketball at this point in his career in order for him to be successful. It's not about 35 and 50 a night because he's not going to win like that. So what he's done in the last couple of games, which I've been saying the whole time, is he has to be a facilitator. He has to be a decoy because he's getting double and tripled. Instead of taking that tough shot, he can give somebody a dunk or somebody can cut to the basket for a layup. And now – now they got to play everybody honest. So now they now they can't really double Kobe, which is another advantage for him. But you know, people have to buy into you know certain systems. You know, you got coaches. Those guys have been you know through the I mean through the ringer as far as coaches because they're just trying to find it so fast. But it don't matter who coaches them if they're not doing what it's taking to win. You got on paper they should be winning. <clears throat> But you know it does. It doesn't work. It doesn't work unless every individual says this is what we're going to do. You know when Shaq decided to go to Miami, he had to sacrifice to a younger cat. Right. When he came to Lakers, he had to sacrifice a little bit to a younger cat to get what he wanted to get. And in basketball, for me, is the best analogy. It's about team. It's like family, right? If you want your team and your family to be strong, then we got to have it. We gotta have a code or how we roll it. Right. Like how we gonna how we gonna do this thing? Are we gonna we gonna respect each other? Are we gonna love each other? Are we gonna play together? Are we gonna go hard? Are we getting on the ground for the balls? Are we looking at the ball? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> the cat that's getting down on the ground, getting the ball is probably nine times out of ten gonna win the game. And they don't have and they don't have to be the most talented team. No, that I, makes sense. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned, and then this is the thing that. When when we, Rick told us that he had uh, convinced you to come on the show, that my first thought was the Rock and Jock games because I, <laughs> right. I grew up watching them. Um, I, I miss them now. Uh, who was the best player that you saw or you played with against whatever in those Rock and Jock games, Bill? Wow. Well, I, I, there was a lot of guys, man. Um, I want to tell you, like just people that I thought was extremely athletic, like. Ken Griffey Jr. Right. was an extremely athletic guy. He probably could have played basketball, too. Yeah. He did play very well. Uh, I'll give you somebody else. Um, J.R. Ryder. Yes. He's going to throw people off. They probably don't know. Maybe, you know, they're probably thinking all about the bad stuff. When J.R. Ryder was coming in the league, he was extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Ex- Extremely gifted athlete. Oh my God! Uh, I played with him. I got dunked on pretty bad. <laughs> That's a, thank God ESPN wasn't popping right then because I definitely would have been on ESPN. That was crazy. Um, some of those guys scored like two hundred points in that game, right? Well, I was getting ready to tell you that the person who scored the most points ever was Gary Payton. It was so funny because <laughs> Gary played on our team. He had a hundred. <laughs> and then he went on the other team and scored 75. I don't know how he figured out how to get that thing in that 25-point shot, but it was crazy. 
Jerry had that thing down. He must have had one in the, at his house. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Antoine Walker at the All-Star game years ago, and they said, why do you shoot so many three-pointers? And he said, because they don't have fours. <laughs> <laughs> I think GP, GP figured that out early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that those were the days. I wish we uh, we still had games like that because you no one got hurt. It was all fun, right. and, and and we 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 made so many friends out of it, man. I mean, we did rock and jock uh, softball. We did uh, the mm-hmm. basketball. We did you know flag football, and you know we. I'm 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 an entertainer. I'm a fan, man. I'm like I get a chance to meet like my favorite, you know, two guard, or I'm playing football with Terrell Owens, or you know, whoever it is at the time, you know, Ladamian Tomlinson. It's just like wow, yeah. This is and they're and they're just like us. They're and then you find they're fans of you. You're like oh, <laughs> hey hey Bill, what is it? you know people always talk about ball players wanting to be. Actors and entertainers, and entertainers always wanting to be ball players. Who in in the acting community that that hasn't been a professional athlete really thinks they could have played pro ball? Because I know there's got to be somebody that really believes it when y'all get together. That man, uh, I, I Brian, could play in the league. I think, I think Brian McKnight really in the <laughs> I think deep in his cerebellum, he is uh, <laughs> he really he really thought that that was supposed to happen. I think so because uh-huh. he's six four. Got a pretty decent jumper, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. He just the only thing is he just don't like the contact, you know. <laughs> Stunner, because that's the part when he goes back to the R&B singer. Come on, man, don't hit me, man. <laughs> Please, you know I got a show tonight. Don't hit me, man. <laughs> uh, Bill. What are what are sports fans like in in LA as opposed to you know the the New York fans where where you grew up? See. I gotta, I gotta be honest. You know, LA, we really, really, really on some Hollywood. You know, about who's at the game. You know, who's sitting next to who. LA is really Hollywood. If you want to go to a real game where it's just all about the b-ball craziness like that, you gotta go to like a Milwaukee or like <laughs> Chicago, like Chicago Bulls, full right. throttle, pandemonium. You go to OKC, you really think you at an HD pep rally. It's crazy. Because <laughs> uh, they don't have nothing else. Right. So they, like, as soon as the game over, they shut down the lights in the whole city. It's over. <laughs> uh, but, like, L.A., yo, they, they go hard when, when, it, when it means something in the playoffs or, like, when they start winning. Like, now they're starting to get riled up in the city. I think that's going to be good for them. But I just like the enthusiasm because, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. We want to see some dunks. We want to see uh, uh, some craziness. But I'll be honest with you, if you if you really want to see some fun fans, the Clipper fans are pretty uh, over the top. Yeah, I was there. Listen, I was at Staples on Christmas, Bill, and I was telling somebody how remarkable the difference is between the Laker crowd and the Clippers crowd. Like, I don't even know how it's possible. <laughs> if they had, it's like this is how crazy it is. If the Clippers play at 12 o'clock and the Lakers play at 7 o'clock, that's 20,000 different people. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I still can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand. Like, do, do you have to be new Hollywood to get Clipper seats and established Hollywood to get the good seats at the Lakers game or what? I mean, I saw Arsenio sitting like eight rows up at the Lakers game. 
let me tell you something. You got to be Denzel, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, you got to be Jerry Buss. You got to be a bus on your on the at the end of your name. You got to be Timmy Bus, Stevie Bus. You know, double Dutch Bus. Whatever it is. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I got a I got another gripe, Bill. That uh, you probably haven't heard this a lot in the past, but I got a real problem. Who canceled Fastlane, man? That was gonna be my that was gonna be my go to show. If they if I'd have had DVR back then, I would have DVR that show every week. Who who put the kibosh on Fastlane? Uh you know what? I just think the money of it all. You know, uh. we that that was a we said we spent six million dollars just on the pilot. That's a budget for a movie. Oh, so right. it was an ambitious project that I was so happy to be a part of because that was a hit show. Yeah, it was ground. I mean, it was groundbreaking. It was new. It was groundbreaking. It- a groundbreaking show. It is not a person on the planet that don't feel like you. We like we came out the box, man. That 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 show changed my career. I mean, I went from being a comic to being like an action kind of star yeah. on TV. I was crazy. I was blowing up. I was shooting people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm driving hot cars, Ferraris, Maseratis. You know. I'm 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 knocking down hot chicks on TV. <laughs> no, it was just you couldn't ask for a better mix. Like I remember when it first came out, I was like, "Is this really a show? Like they they really look like this? a movie? Yeah, yeah it looked like a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Kelly yeah. Kapowski, Bill Bellamy, and Peter. What's his Peter name? Fascinelli. Yeah, I was like, "This is this is crazy." <laughs> we was in it too, man. We like some of those scenes I remember, man. We used to ad lib on that show. We used to go so hard, man. They would let us just. <laughs> Because we we always had we was always fighting our characters, you know, always yeah. bickering about something. So it worked because we would just we used to go ham. Then you'd be like, "Yo, this is our take," and we just say whatever we want to say. It used to be, and that would and that would be the one they use. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I I'm a you know we we kind of some Hollywood uh, you know buffs Lang and Lang especially. I know Lang has seen everything. Like he he's seen even more movies and TV shows than I have. But man, I'm I'm just curious. Like when does when does it sit in? Like, if you go to Hollywood at a young age and you, you know, you get work and you, you know, you're a working actor. When does it set in that you, this is what you're gonna do forever? Like, when, when do you hit that point? Is there a movie or is there a role that you take or something that happens that changes the whole dynamic for an actor? Well, I think it's when you when you sustain your lifestyle when you're able to to live a life based off your talent. To mm-hmm. me, that solidifies that that's your lane. You know what I mean? Right. Because I haven't had a job in. 19 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't worked a regular job. And, uh, you know, and that's 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 like, wow, you know, I, and I'm happy that I chose this life, you know, because I have unlimited possibilities. You know, I get to work with guys like Rich Fox, yeah. we kicking it on the radio, having fun. You know, I'm jumping on a plane right now and go to Chicago, do some shows. I come back Monday. We shoot Mr. Box Office. So my life is, like, really, really interesting. It's not all, like, the same, but you yeah. got to have a hustle. See, that's, that's the thing that people don't see. Like, when we see the athletes playing at the game, we don't see the practice. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't see, you know, you know, going to get taped up, sitting in the ice tub, you know, getting therapy. We don't see that. But it takes a lot to become successful. So it's all about that grind. Right, right. Well, tell us about – I know – Rick has mentioned it briefly, but tell us a little bit about, about Mr. Box Office, and what, it, and also tell us what it's like to work with Rick Fox, the actor. 
Um, well, first of all, Mr. Box Office is a new, my new TV show. It's a half-hour sitcom. We're syndicated in the whole throughout the whole country. Got an order for 104 episodes. Wow. Uh, I play Marcus Jackson. He's like Will Smith mixed with Eddie Murphy right on the top of the world, <laughs> making 20 mil a movie, got the mansion in Beverly Hills. He gets into a little situation with uh, TMZ, and the dude got to go to court thinking it's going to be all right, but he got to do community service. He's like, what? <laughs> and uh, they making me teach for six months at South Central High School, which is supposed to be the worst school in the nation. Uh-huh. So you're not one. Guy. We are number one, Marcus Jackson. <laughs> We're number one in America. <laughs> right. <laughs> number one for crime. <laughs> number one. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a really good, good show. It's about, you know, me growing up, learning some real values from these kids, uh, me trying to, you know, manage my career and keep my friends happy, you know, that live with me at my house. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's like if KG wasn't, when KG came to the league, remember he had like 25 cats living with him in the mansion? <laughs> right. It's, it's basically like that, you know what I'm saying? You got that new money and you just spending it. You're going to get it. You got the parties. You got the chicks. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, I got I to gotta pay you a compliment, uh, Bill, and let the world know, man. It's one thing to be a fan of yours and watch your work over the years. And, and similar to, like, basketball, when you see guys you admire and you play against, you want to wonder what it would be like to play with them. But getting on set with you and seeing you carry the show and set the tone for all of us, it's been amazing, man. You're brilliant at what you do. We know you're a brilliant comedian. We know you've done tons of stuff over the years. But it's really been a pleasure to get to know you this way. because Oh, uh, thank you, man. And you as well. It's like, uh, you know, when Rick first started acting, this goes to show you, and this is a tribute to Rick Fox, right? When, you know, cats, cats probably like in the beginning, like, man, he ain't going to be no actor. He can't do that. I mean, you know, he's a pretty boy. He's Rick <laughs> Fox, blah, 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 right? Homeboy just kept drilling it, kept going, kept getting it, kept going at it. Now it's not even like, you now it's like, yo, and he played basketball. See what I'm saying? It, that's, that's the best compliment I can give you, Rick, is that you 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 got the work ethic or epic. You come to work and you are funny as hell. Like it's it's amazing. Like I'm watching what you're doing every week on the show. You're fearless, you don't care, you you open to doing, you know, different things. I'm like, man, this dude is gonna be bananas. You're already doing it because you don't care. Well, Bill, I got, Bill, like I said, though, man, thank you because you set the stage for that, man. You create that that that, that atmosphere, and, and I appreciate that. That that's that means a lot to me. Wait till wait till people see this episode we did recently, where all the teachers are competing. <laughs> we all trying to get like win the the Golden Apple Award. It is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Everyone is stepping their game up, trying to impress the kids. And uh, Rick goes hard. He threatens all the kids. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, what what's what's the difference between you know doing movies and and the, the the grind between doing movies and then being on a on a sitcom where the schedule I would imagine has to be drastically different. Yeah, well, the sitcom schedule is much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you work typically uh, three to five days a week, maybe four. Um, and, 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 and then you're on TV the next week, every week. Right, right. I like television the best because people can see you every week. 
Like, I do my movie right now. My movie might not come out till next March. <laughs> and you, I, I, I'm doing something else. I forgot he even did the movie. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to do press. You're like, huh? <laughs> and then you don't know if the movie's going to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to edit scenes out? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, happenstance with film, but it's a lot of fun. Film is still bigger, but TV is every day. And everybody's doing TV now. If you notice, all the stars that were doing movies now on TV shows. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, I they only, you know, they're only making like three movies a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you got, listen, what's up with the, I saw that Will Smith and his son are doing a sci-fi movie. I, I love that Will is going, I mean, I want to see more actors like you and some other guys doing these futuristic movies. I think y'all would be perfect for these roles. Man, I wish Will Smith was my daddy. That's all I got. <laughs> Hilarious. Man, I was, I, 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 want, I, I was trying to get, I was trying to get Will to adopt me two years ago. I was like, if you could just be my daddy, I know it's gonna be weird because we almost the same age, but just be my daddy, man. Help me, man. His son has got the best daddy in the world. <laughs> He's going to always have a job. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Now, yeah, but we, we got to do that, though. You're right. We need to be in uh, some more futuristic stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think it would be good, you know, to to have that. That I got. I have a huge collection of movies. I mean, you're in quite a few of them, by the way. The Brothers, one of my all-time yeah. faves. The scene in the kitchen where you and, the, you know, the lady who played your mom going on about the Oh, oh she was so mean. No, that was... <laughs> Classic. I had a mean, had a mean mama. Yes, boy. classic, classic cinema in my household. We we keep it all on DVD. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's it's so many different films over the years that you've been in that you know. Uh, we still, my wife still to this day will pop Love Jones into the DVR just to watch it. When, you know, oh Love Jones, Love Jones is insane. Yeah. People don't understand the credits, Bill. Man, we should we should, we should run a credit. We, we, we just gonna we gonna list them all for the for the audience. Yeah, I mean, it's... yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you know, that was a really cool time in the '90s. We were making a lot of black movies, yeah, and, uh, and quality film. You know, where we were, where we had love stories, we yes. had comedies and stuff like that. And I really think we need that again, where we, you know, you know, think like a man is a perfect opportunity. For, for people to see that we will go to the movies when it's a quality product. That movie did super-duper well, right. and it was fun. It was a funny movie. It had purpose, you know, and it gives, you know, people like myself and Rick and all these other actors and actresses an opportunity to be on film, man. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just like going to play. Oh, man, I just want to play. <laughs> well, look, before we let you get out of here, give us a give us a, a, a forecast for L.A. Who... Who who's the king of LA at the end of this season? Chris Paul or Kobe? Which team owns the city at the uh, end of this NBA season? The Clippers or the Lakers? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Ooh, that's a good question. I think that the Clippers are gonna go further in the playoffs. I still think the Lakers are the story because yeah. if if the Lakers the Lakers start winning and get to the playoffs, that's going it don't matter what the Clippers do with the Lakers make it to the playoffs, that's gonna be the story of the year. They don't care. Yeah. Just, it's the, the Lakers are just bigger, man. No matter what the Clippers do, they still gonna be stepkids. <laughs> <laughs> so Laker, 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 Laker Clipper, 
um, playoff game uh, matchup. Do you think the Lakers uh, will pull that big brother card over the Clippers? How many games? Seven-game seven series, what do you think? They gotta oh. beat them. The Clippers would have to beat the Lakers seven games in, in Staples Center. Yeah, or four games. Four games uh, in Staples, uh, yeah. Uh, are, the, are the Lakers clicking now? If the Lakers clicking, they're starting to, man. They look, they look like they may have. Look, Kobe's got to continue to the play playmaker. The Lakers, the Lakers are too big. But here's the thing. The Clippers are deep, golly. <laughs> yeah. Yo, they got everybody on their team that other people didn't want, and they stupid for getting rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, look, look, I'm going to say this before I go. Just listen to this, how crazy this is, right? These are guys that are sitting down. You got Chauncey. This is another team. Chauncey, another Eric Bledsoe. This is a whole other team. Chauncey, <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, Jamal Crawford, Grant Hill, Lamar Odom. They sitting down. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> yeah. they, they are sitting down, coming in. Like, they just keep sending waves of dudes. There's nobody in the NBA that can guard Jamal Crawford, period. Right. There's nobody that in the NBA that can come off the bench like him and just immediately take, off the game, take over a game. And you can't sit him back down. As soon as he comes in, it's a wrap. He don't sit back down. You got Matt Barnes playing incredible. Yeah. Like, the Lakers should have never got rid of him. I don't know. what They must be That's smoking. That's crazy. Same, same building, different player. This dude playing, I'm going to tell you how he's playing. He's playing like how Trevor Ariza was playing. Do you remember what yeah. Trevor was playing for? Yeah. Matt is going bananas right now. But I said, I ain't going to kill you. I'm just. I'm getting riled up. Sorry. <laughs> well, look, man, we appreciate it, Bill. And we look the busy schedule, all that you got going on. We we definitely gonna shout out the show here on the Hang Time Podcast and, and yeah. stay fans, man. We appreciate it so and, much. And hit me on Twitter at, at Bill Bellamy. It's all capital letters, and uh, on my Facebook page is uh, Bill Bellamy VIP. That's what's up. We got appreciate it, it man. Right. Thanks for coming on with us, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Much Thanks, love, Bill. Bill. Respect, brother. See you on set. All right, man. Bill Bellamy, folks. I'm telling you, Lang, you start, thumbing, start thumbing through my DVD collection. Bill Bellamy, he's been in a lot of classic films that, that are on the shelf at the Smith household, baby. I could go on and on now. I could go on and on. How to be a player? What? Yeah. <laughs> I think you could use Stan to watch that one again, Seku. <laughs> that was, you know, that was the anthem back in the day. Now, I'm talking about 97? What? Yeah, that's right. I used to take notes on some of these films. This has been Bill Bellamy, man. Rick, I, look, you you have outdone yourself. You know what I'm saying? You you talked the talk. You, you you did you did what you said you were gonna do. We're gonna forgive you for being late all the time around here. Oh uh, man, you know <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I'm out, you know I'm out, sometimes I'm late because I'm out there like beating the bushes. You know I'm trying to trying to make deals and get and get get some people. How about Vivica Fox? Can we get Vivica in here? <laughs> Well, Viv- look, you got to get Vivica in the studio with me. I don't care if she talks to y'all. <laughs> you want in studio. I okay. want her in studio. I got a chair sitting right here waiting for her. <laughs> you, better, you better watch How to Be a Player that week. <laughs> it's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Fellas, I, I can't believe my eyes. I mean, I need, I need a new set of glasses, clearly. Because Rick Lang has... He has jumped you, bro, in the standings. What's going on here? Rick Fox last week with a two and one week. 
I'm creeping. I'm got. I gotta stick with the coin flip. <laughs> moves on. Moves on up in bragging rights, folks. Twenty or seventeen, Greg. Seriously, is this a typo? No, not at all. Not at all. You know what happened? Lang actually went with the Atlanta Hawks, and you guys went with the Knicks. Foolishness, Lang. Foolishness. Uh, all I got to say. All I got to say is. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I've got I've got two things to say. Number one, um, I'm going to rethink my strategy of uh, of trying to – basically the last two weeks, I didn't mention this, but the last two weeks I've tried to just guess against what I would normally guess. It was like the opposite George on Seinfeld. I just <laughs> – I just – I would think about, okay, I'm going to pick this team, then I would just say the other one. So I'm going to forget that. And then also I, I demand a recount. <laughs> you know what happened, Lane? You you actually relied on Josh Smith, and that's what killed you. Take it easy. <laughs> ATL, Shorty. Uh-oh. ATL. So, look here. I'm still, you know, the leader of the pack. You know, I know y'all want to be like Mike. Um, but now. But 23 now. and 14, even with a one and two week. Rick is at 20 and 17. And Lane, you look, I mean, this, this looks like the Lakers. Is this right, Greg? It is. At least he's, he's like over 500, five, He's like barely 500. At least all three Man, of us the, are the Lakers wish they were 19 and 18. <laughs> At least all three of us are over 500. I think that speaks well for uh, for all three of us. Yes, yes. Well, what we got, what we got this week? All right, Ready? guys. Let's go. Well, we'll start with basketball. And uh, the first basketball. game will be Chicago at Indiana on Monday night. It's one versus two in the Central. Lang, I'm going to give you the honors. It's, you said it's at Indiana? It's at Indiana. Uh, is, is D. Rose playing? If he does, he won't let go. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Indiana. Yeah, boy, what are you going to do, Seku? I don't. Mm, I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going with the the Bulls in a in a in a, in a little upset. All right. Well, the Bulls play extremely well at home. Uh, Indiana had a close one against Denver the other day, which is a road. They're at home. I'm going Indiana. Indiana's at home. I'm going Indiana. Right. Somebody's got to be the contrarian. It might as well be me. All, All right. right. Second game will be Sunday night. Clippers at Boston. Ooh. Clippers lead the season series one nothing. Ooh. I'll take the Clippers. Somebody call up CP3 and see if he's going to play or not. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> a, that makes a big difference. That makes right a there. huge difference. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Boston. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna split the difference here. And I'm I'm definitely gonna take uh, the, the. How are you gonna split the difference? I'm splitting the difference. I'm going with the Clizips. <laughs> Rick and I already split the difference. <laughs> There's three of you. That's right, right, Greg. Final you don't game pick. could possibly be the biggest game of the weekend: uh, Niners and Ravens for the Super Bowl. What? Oh, uh, boy. Um, I'm going for Niners. Yeah, same here. Haters. You know what? I hate to I hate to do it, but I'm gonna have to go with the 49ers as well. I like it. Uh, right. You know, and I'm, I'm going. And I'm, I'm switching up from the Clippers instead of Celtics. <laughs> Wait a minute! Just go back. Are you switching your pick? I didn't hear the coin. Did I, take, I didn't hear the coin did drop. I take, did I take my finger off the I didn't hear the coin drop. What's up with that? All right, I'll take Celtics. <laughs> and I want to switch my pick from two weeks ago to the Knicks, not the Hawks. <laughs> and I want to switch my pick from Ray Lewis doing this dance to 
Kaepernicking, baby. <laughs> Kaepernicked. Uh, seriously, the the super we we have added the Super Bowl. Are we going? Are we going to have the All Star Game as a pick too, Greg? I mean, are we going there? Yeah, why not? But I mean, uh, won't, won't happen for a couple weeks. All right. Uh, well, I, we have one more. Well, we'd have to pick it. We'd have to pick it before, right? Do we have? A, are we going to have a show on the Wednesday of All Star Week? That's what. That's a talk we need to have. Yeah. Yeah, because if if we if we're not, we should pick it now. No, no, but, uh, no. We, should do, we should do a show that week. Yeah, let's do one. We'll find a heavy hitter to come on here and hang with us on the podcast that week. Come on now. Cool, cool. Yeah, we got things. We got things in the fire. <laughs> well, look, I, I'll tell you this: bragging rights will get a new look if and when these jokers ever catch me, which I'm predicting right now will not happen this season. My lead will stand the rest of the season. I'm going on record right now saying that. Well, I, I see your style right now. Though. You're picking everything we pick. So <laughs> no way, there's no way you yeah. can lose. It's, it's, <laughs> you do that. It's, it's called running a smart race. You get a lead and then just, you know. Well, it's like that's the one strategy. At least Rick and I play to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what that's what cats in second and third place always say. <laughs> <laughs> Bragging rights, baby. The Hang Time Podcast. Guys, we, we need to thank our guests, obviously. Uh, Bill Bellamy, comedian Marcus extraordinaire. Jackson. Marcus Jackson, uh, Mr. You know, Box Office. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know what? We we got to keep this up, Greg. You know, you got to you got to keep this up. You know, don't don't uh, we don't want to go having Bill Bellamy and these kinds of cats, and then have you know some some B list cats. So keep up the A list guests. And also, we got to thank Sean Grandy. You you know coming on and talking with us about the Boston Celtics and breaking down everything after Rajon Rondo's season comes to an end, guys. So um, we appreciate you rocking with us, and we will definitely see you in this same spot again next week right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store, and be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata. Thank you.